Friends, welcome to Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. Word on Fire is an apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization, using media both old and new to share the faith on every continent and to facilitate an encounter with Christ and His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. Today we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each of us. Peace be with you. Friends, we come to this second Sunday of Lent, and can I encourage everybody to attend maybe a little more carefully to the readings at liturgy. Maybe when you get home, take out your Bibles and reread them. Maybe read them aloud with your family, because there's something ex- exceptionally powerful about the Lenten readings. It's as though the church is putting us through you know, a kind of spring training, or it's saying well, you need to get back to the fundamentals and basics of the Christian life. So some of these are among the most important readings in the whole Bible. So spend a little more time with them. Well, the magnificent first reading for this weekend is a short passage from the beginning of the 12th chapter of the book of Genesis. And can I just say that chapter is one of the most pivotal chapters in the entire Bible. And I'll tell you why. But to understand, we have to look at what preceded it. What came before chapter 12? Well, Genesis opens with the splendid account of God's creative act. So in an act of nonviolence, in a speech act, God gives rise to the whole of the universe. And he places human beings in the midst of the primal garden as stewards of his creation. And he finds this ensemble very good. So we know that opening of the Bible, which is massively important. We don't live in a dualistic universe of good spiritual things and bad material things. God is not wrestling some rival into submission, but rather nonviolence, love, intelligibility, stand at the deepest ground and origin of all things. More to it, human beings are stewards. They're there to care for the splendor of God's creation. Acting, if I put it this way, as viceroys and priests. So God is the the hua, right? He's the, the king, but the viceroy, right? The one who acts in the in the place of the king. Think now of that language of, of the image and likeness of God. Think of a of a coin stamped with the image of the king. Or think of a representative who has the uh, seal of the king. Well that's what, what we are. We're meant to be, we human beings. We're representatives of God the King who are meant to govern this world well, and more to it, we are priests whose purpose is to lead all of God's creation in a chorus of right praise, where we are rightly ordered to God, and then we lead all of creation as it, in its its proper way, gives praise to God. The garden, beautiful, vibrant, verdant, fecund, The garden is evocative of this situation. That's the biblical vision. And how wonderful. Revisit that. Revisit that. Because believe me, there are all kinds of rival views of what the world is fundamentally like. That's the biblical understanding. But we know, according to the evocative poetic language of Genesis, human beings at a decisive moment 
refused to listen to the voice of God. Eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what do they do? It's symbolic talk for arrogating to themselves the determination of right and wrong, making their egos the final criterion of good and bad. On the biblical reading, and boy, I think it's it's born out every day on the on the public stage and within our own our own you know psyches and souls. From this dysfunction followed as a strict consequence their expulsion from the garden. Again, this is not God being difficult, you know, God falling into a snit. Oh, he, he wasn't obeyed and now he's getting back at them. No, no, this is a poetic account of spiritual physics, right? It's a law of the spiritual order that when we stop listening to the voice of God and we make our own egos the criterion of, of good and bad, we leave the garden, this well-ordered, beautiful space where we are functioning as viceroys and priests, and we step into the desert. That's the biblical image. Once human beings stop listening to God, they become lost. Now, the biblical metaphor is exile, right? They go into a land of exile. How beautiful that they think this account of Genesis is written probably around the time of the return from Babylonian exile. And so the exile of Adam and Eve from the garden uh, evokes in their minds the exile of Israel, see, in Babylon. It produces, in St. Augustine's beautiful language, this journey into a land of dissimilitude. See, in the garden, where we have the image and likeness, similitudo, but when we sin, we wander into a land of dissimilitudo, he says. We're no longer like unto God. Okay? Now, look at the narrative of the book of Genesis from the fall, which is told in chapter 3, to the call of Abram, which is the beginning of chapter 12. So between 3 and 12, and can I urge everybody, maybe at some point during Lent, just sit down and read through 3 through 12 of Genesis. What do we find in there? Well, we find the story of Cain and Abel. We find the story of the flood. And we find the story of the Tower of Babel. In other words, we find jealousy, rivalry, anger, murder, imperialism, arrogance, drunkenness, indeed a wickedness that spreads over the entire face of the earth. In very short compass, in these, in these few chapters, Genesis lays out for us, as it were, all the permutations and combinations of human dysfunction. Where do they come from? From the primal problem of refusing to listen, listen to the voice of God. And listen to my voice, my voice, my projects, my ideas. Look sometime at the images from the Sistine Chapel ceiling. You'll notice a lot of interesting things. One is when Adam and Eve are expelled. On the one side, they're living still in the verdant, beautiful garden. And then when they're expelled, they assume a kind of animal-like appearance. They've lost their similitudo, see, unto God. But more to it, they step from the verdant garden into a sheer desert, a place of lifelessness. Also, I love this in Michelangelo. It's not noticed a lot, but, you know, as the ceiling tells the story of creation and then the fall, it ends with stories from the Noah cycle. And the very last image on the Sistine Chapel ceiling is of the drunken Noah. And see, that was evocative for Michelangelo of, 
of the human being having fallen into into dysfunction. But as Noah lies on the ground, if you look at the picture, he's in a sort of pathetic imitation of the noble pose of Adam at creation. Take a look, go on the web and take a look at the image of Adam at creation and then of Noah. You'll see what I'm talking about. But it's Michelangelo's beautiful, iconic commentary on what happens when the human race stops attending to the voice of God. Okay, the story goes on. We're still just in the opening chapters, but boy, the major moves are taking place. So what does God do? His creation has been disrupted. Human beings are no longer viceroys and and priests. What does he do? He sends a rescue operation. And this is what we have to know in order to understand the beginning of the 12th chapter of Genesis. The rescue operation is going to come in the form of a people trained to listen again to the voice of the Lord. So the first thing we read in chapter 12, first thing we read is that God spoke to Abram, making this extraordinary promise. Listen, I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you. All the communities of the earth will find blessing in you. Now, okay, okay. Everything will hinge. The whole biblical story will hinge on the next moment. Will he listen? Will he listen? The entire history of salvation will flow from this fact. And with with infinite relief, we read, Abram went as the Lord directed him. Now, your eyes might just pass right over that little line. But everybody, that's in some ways the hinge line of the whole Bible. Abram went not according to his own thinking, his own designs, but as the Lord directed him. It's as though all of creation breathes a sigh of relief at this moment. As long as human beings went their own way, they failed to live up to their calling as viceroys and priests, and the garden turned into a desert. But from Abram's willingness to listen and follow the promptings of a higher voice, God's grace could flow once again into his world. Human beings could once again discover their proper identity. And see, Israel, born of Abram's faith, would be a people at their best that attended to God. Think now, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Joshua, Samuel, David, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Esther, Ruth, Mary, Peter, James, John, Paul. They're all spiritual descendants of Abram. Now, flash forward about, oh, 1,500 years from the time of Abram to a rabbi and three of his disciples climbing a mountain in the Holy Land that God had shown to Abram. Suddenly, the rabbi's clothes become dazzling white, and he's transfigured or metamorphosed before his friends. A bright cloud covers them, and from the cloud, a voice, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. See, once more, the children of Israel are being instructed to listen. To listen to the voice of the Lord, now incarnate in his beloved son. And see, friends, this is the church. This is the church. Now, go from Abram to Jesus transfigured to us. See, we're all the sons and daughters of Abraham. We're all people of faith. Again, doesn't mean, by the way, people who've abandoned their reason. So please don't. Don't accept that. It means people who live out of the theodrama, not the ego drama. 
people who ask not what we want, but what God wants. You know, I'll close with this. Uh, I've used this comparison, I think, in other settings, but uh, I have this this app on my uh, my iPhone. I use it every single day in California. It's called the Waze app. Um, and through that app, you know, this voice comes on and invites you to listen and to tell you exactly where you're supposed to go. Now, of course, you're free to ignore it. You're free to question it, to go your own way. But time and again, this Waze app quietly gets you where you want to go. Even when it seems counterintuitive to do so, I've learned to trust in it. And that's why it's always struck me as a really cool spiritual symbol for what I'm talking about. So it goes in the spiritual order. God speaks in a thousand ways, you know. But God speaks, and we learn to listen, even when that seems counterintuitive. We learn to listen, not to ourselves, but to the Lord. Which is why, you know, the church recommends as one of its principal um, um, practices during Lent, prayer. Prayer. What is prayer? Well, it's a lot of things. But one way to characterize it, It's attentive listening to God. When we do that, we fulfill the biblical revelation and we become sons and daughters of Abraham and of Christ. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.